1: With Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Bridgestone Weather Peak. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin, TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at slash Active Cash. What's going on, everybody? Three Out Podcast with me, John Middlecoff, back at it again. Just finished watching Thursday night football. And, you know, really, I only have one thing to say.
0: How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! 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 Yeah!
1: Yeah! What a freaking win by the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> we'll dive into that here in a second. Just what a what a cool Thursday night game. I mean, you talk about the Monday night game. I guess when was it? Last week, last Monday, so not this Monday. We're talking 10 days ago. Game of the year. I I still like a good 13-10 to 10 game. I mean, it puts me back to my roots. We'll, we'll, we'll dive into a bunch of different things. I mean, the Bears are sneaky alive for a home field bye after this loss by the Saints. They still play the Panthers twice coming down the home stretch. Clearly, the Saints are really good. But the the Bears have a problem on their hands. We'll dive into that. Cliff Kingsbury, USC Trojans offensive coordinator. Have some thoughts on that. Do some Middlecoff mailbag. Maybe dive in uh, to a couple other games, as we do usually go around the weekend, just getting ready. But, uh, you know, again, and Middlecoff mailbag, you can slide up into my DMs, at John Middlecoff. What a game. What, I mean, just glued to my television, Luckily, I got two TVs, so I had the Warriors game on, no sound, and I had that bad boy on. What a, I mean, Fox, the Fox broadcast is so good. You can say what you want. I'm a Joe Buck guy. Troy Aikman's so good. That that The feel when you're at Jerry's Palace, uh, th- th- there's nothing like it. I, I mean, that's, that's Yankee Stadium, you know, the Red Sox, uh, the uh, big Laker game. There's nothing really an equivalent in, in the NBA. Maybe like Duke basketball at Camden Indoor Stadium. That place was rocking. I saw someone tweet out there were 93-plus th- thousand. Jerry going nuts. It was just awesome. Uh, I hated on the Cowboys earlier in the season. I've since taken that back over the last month, especially since they got of Amari Cooper, who that, that's looking like a pretty smart trade now that the Cowboys are 7-5. and five. What's that? Four straight wins. They have not lost since Amari showed up to town. and Or I guess they did lose his first game cuz they they played the Tennessee Titans but he he's changed the dynamic uh, uh, dynamics of their offense but that's not the reason they they turned this thing around their defense in an offensive league and I, trust me I'm the one banging the drum as much as anyone adapt or die you got to hire an offensive coach draft offense sign offense I don't get me wrong like I'm not I'm not backing off that but the key to me to even have a chance. It's not the old school just out tough you play good run defense. You gotta do one thing really well. Because the one area on the field that even though the rules have changed, that you can still be physical and you can still dominate, and I'm gonna go football guy comment here, is at the point of attack, at the line of scrimmage, your defensive lineman, and their defensive pass rush is elite. The other thing you need to be able to do in 2018 is have speed at linebacker. Back in the day, I could just have a stiff in the middle. And th- again, this guy's not a stiff. I'm a big Bill Romanowski guy. But that type player, just the run-stuffing middle linebacker. When I first got to the NFL in 2010, there was a big difference of the f- you have a two-down Mike linebacker and then you would have a third-down, quote-unquote, nickel linebacker. What does that even mean anymore? You would have that third-down nickel linebacker, the guy that can cover sideline to sideline, cover running backs, run on the field every single snap. That, that two-down middle linebacker, that human is dead. You know what 2000—and that's why when the 49ers took off with Jim Harbaugh, Willis and Bowman, it, it was the time when the game was somewhat transitioning— but still kind of caught up in the middle, and those two guys were just the ultimate players. Now, that's the high end, and these guys aren't that yet. But again, they're they're not Bill Willis and Bowman. I'm not saying that. But Layton Vanderesh, L V E, and Jalen Smith are absolute ass kickers. And I tweeted this because someone's like, Man, 55's a stud. And my comment was like 54 is cracking skulls too. And then I thought, is that even politically correct to say anymore with In football, and then I thought to myself, you know what? I still love violence in football. I I I enjoy. I thoroughly enjoyed that night, uh, uh, that game today, tonight, of just people getting blasted. And I'll give the Saints credit; they were flying around and hit people in the mouth too. I still like a good old school brawl where two teams are just hitting each other in the teeth. And Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith were crushing people tonight. They were fantastic. One narrative, I'm going to kill right now. I mean, it's, it's it's over. And I'm not trying to overreact or hyperbole, but it was so stupid. And I get it. Troy, not that he has to tread lightly, but he's tight with the Cowboys. He's probably good friends with Sean Lee. Like, Sean Lee. And they, 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 asked, they kept talking about this on the broadcast. What are they going to do with Sean Lee? I wanted to jump through the television screen. Guys, I'll tell you exactly what they're going to do. He's going to sit on the sideline, and he's going to help coach with Jason Garrett, Mirinelli, and, you know, pump up the crowd. And if they need him, special teams, anything, then he'll do that. But 55 and 54 are not coming off the field. As in, for a snap, as in ever. Unless they have to because they're injured. You are riding and dying with 55 and 54. And now listen, I think Sean Lee, in his prime, was a stud. Part of the reason Van Der Esch is on the Cowboys is because they could not depend on Sean Lee. He was never around. Why? He's always hurt. Where would they have been this year if they just would have drafted some other position? They would have had no linebacker. I mean, Van Der Esch has changed their whole team. Because Jalen Smith clearly was ready to take a step this year. His Achilles or whatever, the uh, the knee injury had healed. And he was, I, I don't know if he's back to peak form, but shit, I mean, he's he's not far away. He looks fantastic. And Van Der Esch is just flying around, just cracking people in the mouth. And I thought Aikman hit it on the head tonight. He does not miss tackles. And in a league where, you know, it's hard to find linebackers that can run, that can play sideline to sideline now, and that are just good open field tacklers. That's a- often what we hear about because the one of the downsides, and really it's so stupid, the players, you know, when they got in the last... Collective bargaining agreement. They bitched and moaned and they fought for like, we need more meals. We need more days off. No more padded practices. And the owners were like, uh, yeah, we need more money. They're like, okay, just no more practices. <laughs> and that last lack of practice time has led to poor tackling. But Vander clearly, whether it's the three-man football, we've heard the story a million times. I think it's eight-man football that he played when he was in high school. Uh, I I don't know where he learned the fundamentals, Boise State, who knows. But he is a tackling machine. And Demarcus Lawrence, and I had someone actually ask me this morning at the gym, a 49er fan came up to me, he's like, do you think we can get Demarcus Lawrence in free agency? He's going to be a free agent? No. You know, he's going nowhere. No one lets pass rushers like that leave. I mean, that guy is just a freak show. And I know this guy had two bad penalties in Randy Gregory. But did you see the pass rush speed that those two guys bring to the table? And again, Randy Gregory was getting destroyed on social media, even though the neutral zone infraction was pretty BS. Like it's sure as hell. I, here, here's one other thing I'm tired of: Walt Coleman and that crew, and they said it like they have more experience than any other crew in NFL history. I, I don't care. They're god awful. You know, I, I, I I'm, I'm. Not anti-older people, but it's hard for certain older people to do certain jobs. And it's hard once you get into your mid to late 60s to to do this job. Like, to me, there should be a, you know, player in the NFL, unless you play quarterback or kicker, you're out of the league by like 35. You should not be able to be a referee in the NFL like after age 65. Like, it should be mandatory retirement. Like, hell, maybe even 60. Like, that was a joke tonight. That was an embarrassment on both sides. You know, on both sides. Just Now, they did get the final call, the pass interference on Amari. Like, he grabbed his arm. Like, you have to call that. But some of the other calls, they, they were terrible. It was atrocious. And it's sad because both teams, like, you know, I mean, it was just a high-level, intense game. You have to have better refereeing. But, man, that defensive lineman, that I mean, that defensive line, that front seven, like, that won him the game. A- and Zeke... Is I, I don't even have a I don't even have the box score up. I don't care. Like that guy's a stud. You remember that argument we used to have? Like, oh, the Cowboys should have taken Jalen Ramsey. Oh, you mean that guy that never shuts up? And he's a good corner. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he might be the best corner in the league. But the Cowboys have corners. <laughs> like their defensive backs are good. Their entire defense is so fast. Like you could take a random novice that doesn't know anything about football and just sat them down and watch a Cowboys game, and they would come away with like Jesus. That defense just hauls ass. They are constantly redlining. I mean, that, that was as impressive of a defensive performance given the opponent, given what was on the line uh, we've seen in a while. I, I like Dallas. Uh, I put a little cash on Dallas on the game just simply because, and I, I didn't have a great explanation. I mean, it's one of the great offenses we've ever seen with Drew Brees, with Sean Payton. You know, my my, my argument was simple. I listen. I, I'm not. Uh, I don't have the analytics in front of me on this one. But the, in the in the last 20 years, how many NFL teams have won 11 games in a row? Like how impossible that is. Like if you go 13 and three, which is an incredible record, and I would say 99 percent of seasons get you a one or two seed. Going 13 and three, you might at most have like a six game winning streak. Like, the chances today of them winning 11 games in a row, just in general, like how difficult that is. Think how impressive it is. Like, the Texans right now are on an 8-game winning streak. I would just keep betting against them just because the odds are against them going on a 10-game winning streak. And that sounds simplistic, but it's so, it is so hard to win in the NFL. I mean, that, that game, first off, this wasn't a normal Thursday game because they had both played on Thanksgiving, so they had a normal amount of rest. Which definitely benefited the Cowboys. Like, do the Cowboys have that defensive performance just playing out of their ass? If they were on a short week, no, I, I don't think so. Uh, so that really helped the Cowboys just having seven days. Like, I, I just don't think they beat them on a short week. Uh, but man, you had to hat tip the, the, the defensive staff and, and just the entire Cowboys. Like, they came out ready. Everyone was just blowing Jason Garrett before the game as his Newt Rockney speech. You know, last night. But you know what? You got to give him credit because it worked. You know, whatever he said, uh, the Cowboys team, like they they approached that game tonight like the Super Bowl. And and you could argue, given what was on the line, like they're in great shape now. Like they are beyond in the driver's seat to win the division. They control their own destiny. uh, And they have one of the better wins of the season against the Saints. And on the flip side, like I don't, my, my views of the Saints don't really change. Uh, because they would never have to play the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas. Like if they play in the playoffs, that game's that game's in New Orleans. Like it's just that simple, and that's a really big difference. I because mean, that place was rocking tonight. The Saints are really good. The Saints are they're not a lock first or second seed because the Bears, who we'll get into next, uh, actually might be in a little trouble. As much as everyone hates on Mitch Trubisky, they die to have him back, and he's clearly going to miss two games in a row especially like he's had time they, they haven't played since Thursday I mean he's basically getting two weeks off that uh you know th- it's not a lock but even if the Saints were the three seed and not the two seed D- Dallas is going to be the four seed like if they win the NFC East like if they're 10 and six they are the four seed so they would have to go on the road in New Orleans they'd have to go on the road in Chicago and they'd have to go on the road to LA so for them to you know advance they're going to have to go on the road and it won't look like that beside the divisional round, the the wild card round, I guess the divisional round is the second round. But they, that would they would be on the road, so there, there's no home game for Jerry. Now maybe there would be a a home game in the uh, you know in the NFC Championship, but that would mean the fifth or sixth seed. Really, it would be the sixth seed because Dallas would play the fifth seed, so they would need the sixth seed to make a run. And last time that's happened, when was the Green Bay a couple years ago when they made a run, but they ended up running into Atlanta? Did they run into Atlanta? Or maybe they were the fifth seed, but you, you get my drift. Like it's the, the, you, you're not getting multiple home games in Dallas. You know, even if they were to make a run, which clearly they're capable of. You know, like that, that that defense and that run game. And again, Dak, I know they were crushing them for the fumbles, and the one fumble was terrible, but the second one that right before the Cowboys got the pick that basically sealed the game, well, I, I don't put that necessarily on Dak. Like, his offense, his right tackle got smoked. You know, I know Troy, and I get this, I, I do it too, like, you got to have a clock in your head. Well, that's true, but I mean, if your tackle just gets smoked, like just gets destroyed, as he did by Cam Jordan on that play, and was holding him, and he got strip-sacked, so it didn't really matter. There's nothing a quarterback can do. Like, Peyton, or Peyton Manning or Tom Brady is getting destroyed. Remember a couple years ago uh in the AFC Championship with the year the Broncos beat the Patriots, the Patriots offensive line was just getting steamrolled. And I mean Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time, had no chance. You know, Jesus would have struggled with that offensive line. Like if your right tackle gets smoked even though it's not your blind side, there's nothing you can do and Drew Brees, again, I, I just think it was as simple as they were bound to lose a game. They'll probably end up 13-3 and three and still more than likely the, the two seed. My opinion doesn't change on them at all. My opinion does change on Dallas a little bit. Amari's changed their offense, just made them a little more, a little less one-dimensional. And their defense in 2018, like I, I don't know how great their run defense is if they were playing like, the 95 Cowboys or, you know, just like some of those teams 20, 30 years ago that would just run it down your throat. I don't know if they're truly built to do that, but that's not the NFL anymore. Like, you're lining up against the Rams. You're lining up against the Saints. Even the Bears. Like, the Bears spread it out. You're playing spread offenses, and they have a spread defense. So, as Jimmy Johnson said, baby, how about them Cowboys? One thing that's a little bit of a red flag, and they've had, I, I wouldn't say a fairy tale season, uh, because they were really talented. They traded for Khalil Mack. They got a new young coach, my buddy, uh, bald brother, Matt Nagy. And, you know, they drafted a ton of good players, Roquan Smith. I, I, I think most people in the NFL thought they could be pretty competitive. You know, eight, nine wins. I, I thought they'd easily been the best bad team in the NFL the last several years. John Fox, an all-time mail-it-in job last year. I mean, complete joke. So I, I thought they would compete for a wild card spot. Now they're a lock wild card spot. So it's, I guess somewhat surprising, but they, they uh, beside the Aaron Rodgers comeback on one leg and Brock Osweiler beating them, I guess what was that three or four weeks ago feels like a lifetime ago. The Bears, you know, have been going pretty good. You're eight and three. Well, they got a problem on their hands now. I saw Mike Garofolo tweeted it out. Uh, and I think it's a pretty good idea, that people have been talking about it, that Mitch Trubisky's not going to play in this game. And, I, you know, they're playing the New York Giants, who have actually been playing better football the last three or four weeks, and do have Saquon Barkley, which it's going to be hard for him to go off against the Bears defense. But Odell Beckham, it, it's not like, I know Eddie Jackson is making a ton of plays, but they don't exactly have, you know, the, Ronnie Lott and Deion Sanders back there. So Odell could go off. Not off, but he, he could have a good game. But I, I would imagine they're thinking, we can beat the Giants without Mitch Trubisky. Well, here's the problem. Listen, in the NFL, and I say this all the time when defending the Niners, who are on their third string quarterback, the guy's an undrafted free agent. When your starting quarterback is out, maybe if your team's good, you can win a game or two with your backup. But more than likely, if you roll out your backup in an NFL game, you are going to lose consistently. Like, it can happen one game, and it just did. They won a game with Chase Daniels last week. But they're playing the New York Giants this week, and you would just say, if Mitchell was healthy, you'd be like, oh, the Bears are going to kill him. And I, I would agree. I would say they should win this game. But when Chase Daniels come in, that, that changes it for me. And I know he, he actually played pretty well on Thursday, uh, given that the way it happened. I mean, it happened quick. It was a short week. I can't expect you. I don't care how good your quarterback is to cons- to win multiple games with your backup quarterback. And for the luckily for the Bears, Packers are out of it. Vikings are somewhat alive, but that tie kind of changes the game a little bit. Uh, they have to get Mr. Trubisky back. Like uh, if his injury is serious, and I haven't talked to Nagy or anyone there uh, about one way or the other. Uh, it clearly the way it's being reported, it doesn't feel that serious. But I do think Bears fans and just people in the NFL in general that talk about the sport, you know, us fans that we love watching the sport, you know, have crushed Mitch at times and he's had some bad moments. I mean, he missed throughout their run, even when they were winning games, he was missing a lot of layup throws. But I think you're really going to see like he did bring an element to the table of he's a he's an elite, elite athlete might be strong, I would say like. Lamar Jackson's elite athlete, but he's a damn good athlete, and he has really helped them out multiple times with his legs. Chase ain't doing that. So if you get into a situation where you're in a tight game like that, that's that's been a curveball for them. Now they have a huge game. Let's just say they can get by the Giants. Like, is Mitch gonna be back next week? Like they got Sunday night football in Chicago. The L.A. Rams rolling into town. The game got flexed, and it got flexed for a reason. You know, I mean, it, the Bears and the Rams. You, I got news for you. The The LA is the second media, biggest media market. The third biggest media market is Chi-Town, Chicago. Like, they need Mitch Trubisky back for that game. As football fans, I hope he is back. As fans of just, I want to see the NFC as competitive as possible, and I think with a healthy Mitch Trubisky, they are a legit threat to win a couple games in the playoffs just because they have an elite defense. They have an innovative young coach. They just have a lot of good players. You know, but one of their curveballs is Mitch playing well. Like his ceiling, if he's on, he could in the second round. I don't know if they could go to New Orleans and win. I do think they could go to LA and win. Like, I think they could give the Rams trouble just because the weather would not be a factor. Their defense is elite. Who are the Rams, just to say, would be a lock win in the playoffs? Uh, But they, they could, under no circumstances, go on the road. And win a road playoff game without Mitch Trubisky, and that's crazy to say. It just shows you, though, like mainly because the difference. And again, they may they may lose in round one with Mitch, but at least his ceiling, his athleticism, and just playmaking ability, if he's on, gives them a fighting chance against some against these two, even the Cowboys. I mean, there are three really good teams in the NFC and Seattle. I mean, there's the NFC is good, but they need to have him. And if they don't have them, it's a major problem. And I listen, you miss two games in the NFL at quarterback. Like, it was clear earlier in the season, Khalil rolled his ankle, and they gave him a game off. And then their second game was against the Bills, and they were like, ah, screw it, we'll just give him two weeks off. And they were able to kind of roll over and get two weeks and get Khalil 100% healthy, and it turned out not to be a big deal. It was also early in the season, their defense was really humming. Like, your quarterback's a little bit different. Like, if, if he's missing games, it's serious. There's just there's just no way around it. Now, you could counter and say, well, like with Khalil, they've proven that, like, this this season is not the end-all, be-all, and they're being cautious with Mitch. I get it, but I don't know if you can really treat the NFL like that. Things change from season to season, from year to year. You know, players get hurt. There's There's somewhat of a randomness. You know, next year there's no guarantee that they'll be competing to make the playoffs, and they they their roster would still look good, but you'd have to think Green Bay was bounced back, Minnesota's roster is still loaded, the NFC is just good. You know, so it's just hard to make the playoffs in the NFC. So I, I do think that, unlike Khalil, if Mitch was able to play, they'd play him. So to me, it's a pretty big concern that he's nowhere to be found, and they got a lot to lose. I mean, this is a team that's arrows pointing sky high, like they're ascending this year. They, they could make serious noise but they cannot do it with Chase Daniels. For those of you that don't follow me on Twitter, at John Middlecoff, same as my Instagram, follow away. But I, I've taken some crap, and I said it, I actually was I, I believed it when I said it, but listen, I, I get the counter-argument, that Alabama would beat the Raiders. And then somehow the following week, the conversation morphed with Alabama beat the Buffalo Bills. And I kept thinking, like, no, I said the Raiders... And Sports center ran with it, and all these internet companies ran with it. I, I just kept thinking, and there were 28. Someone said that one of the Vegas, you know, bookmakers made the Alabama Crimson Tide a 28-point underdog to the Bills. And I was like, well, the Bills are dramatically better than the Raiders. I would take, if you gave the Alabama Crimson Tide 28 points against this Raiders team. Like the one, it was like a couple weeks ago. Not the one that started the season with Marshawn Lynch, Donald Penn, Amari Cooper... Like the team they were rolling out the last couple weeks. I would take the 28 points. And I, I I've tried to put in perspective this Alabama team for people, and especially people on the West Coast, I, I don't think they're quite as locked into how good this Alabama team is. Just and they, they don't quite understand recruiting and just how many pro true pros they have. And at Texan buddies that, that cover the SEC for different NFL teams, they will tell you when you ask how many NFL players they have as a good buddy of mine responded, every player that's on scholarship. I mean, again, kind of tongue-in-cheek, but not really. And then asking about who's the best players in this SEC championship game, which I'm super excited for. Because I actually think Georgia, there's a chance that they are just better than Oklahoma and Ohio State. And if you listen to the podcast on Monday, you know that I think that the college football playoffs that they both win just end up going with Oklahoma on the simple fact to just avoid the urban... And I I forget the coach's name that he fired, but the domestic violence and him tweeting at Tom Herman about the massage parlors, just avoid that whole mess. But right now, the line's 13 and a half. I think there's a chance that Georgia actually plays them pretty tight. Even if they lose by 20, they might be the fourth best team. It may be, they, they actually might be better than Notre Dame. It might just go Bama Clemson. Georgia might be the third best team. We'll never find out. Georgia probably get knocked out of the mix. But ultimately, my point is to put this team in perspective, this Alabama team has a chance if they win three more games against Georgia, and then against Oklahoma, and then let's say against Clemson, who has three defensive linemen that are going to go in the top 20. Like, the be go down is one of the great all-time teams in college football history. And my, I asked my buddy, like, who are the best prospects? Because I was writing this article for The Athletic of just some prospects that Niner and Raider fans should be looking at when they watch all the games this weekend. Just... ACC, you know, all the, all the different conferences. But I asked about the SEC championship. I said, who are the best players on Alabama? Obviously, number 92, Quinnen Williams, who's going to go in the top three or four picks. He's like Aaron Donald meets and Sue. I mean, he's just, he's just, uh, it's not even a fair, it's a cheat code, what he is. Hell, he might go number one overall. Like, he's that good. But my buddy responded, well, actually, like, their next four best players are all sophomores. I start, and he's like, obviously one is the quarterback. So you start thinking this Alabama team—that's the wide, the star wide receiver, the star quarterback, a couple star offensive linemen, and they just produce offensive linemen easily anyway. uh, Star middle linebacker. Like I hope people realize that this team at Alabama, again, everyone I talk to and anyone you listening that have watched them play. They are an absolute machine. Like, I I think Clemson is the clear second-best team, and they are on a completely different level. But the craziest thing is, they got everyone coming back. Or, I mean, a large majority of guys coming back next year. And the main guy, the quarterback, is coming back. The the wide receiver coming back. The star inside linebacker coming back. So, if Saban was ever going to retire, it wouldn't be after this year, after he wins another natty. It'd be after next year, when he's got this whole squad returning. It'd be the equivalent, if you've watched Duke basketball this year, Zion Williams, Cam Reddish, and R.J. Barrett, That I mean, they, 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 and uh, Tyus Jones' brother, they, they look like an NBA team. I mean, they're so talented. Just uh, imagine if I told you, actually, they all, they're all going to return. You'd be like, what? Huh? That, that's exactly what Alabama is. They're all going to return. Think about Say that out loud. When you watch them Saturday night, because, listen, the SEC championship is by far, besides, I'm a little biased, Fresno State, Boise State, the best game of that Saturday. Actually, Oklahoma-Texas is pretty good, too. But the the college football weekend is pretty solid. But because I would say that Georgia, like if Texas were to beat Oklahoma, that'd be a big deal because Oklahoma would be getting bounced out. But at the end of the day, it was Oklahoma going to beat Alabama? Like if Georgia were to upset Alabama, it, it would be one of the bigger upsets in recent memory, uh, just given how good Alabama's been. But the crazy thing is, like, even if Bama doesn't win this national championship, they are going to be the heavy, heavy favorites to be the national champion again next year. So when people ask, like, oh, Middlecoff, they could never hang with the NFL team. An NFL team has 22 pros. And, yeah, the Bills do. Actually, I mean, they, they may have some starters on offense that are not NFL players. Well, I'll promise you one thing the Raiders do not have 22 pros. They have several players that would not start at Alabama. That's not hyperbole. That's not a hot take. That's reality. And that can only be said because they have one of the greatest college football teams of all time up to this point. Like, that's just a fact. Just like there, there would be NBA players that are in the NBA that would not start over Zion Williams. That's just a fact. I mean, that's just, that's not hyperbole. That's not, you know, just trying to, like, get a reaction. That's just rea- That's just the truth. That's not an opinion. So when you look at Tua and you look at these guys, just know this. that This is Nick Saban's most explosive team ever. And a lot of these dudes, in 2019, when you, you know, hit the couch in early September, I guess the college football season usually starts late August, and Alabama's playing whoever on that neutral site college football opener, you're gonna remember a lot of these guys from this team. They were all starting. They were all playing. Patrick Sertain, the, the starting the cor- the corner who starts on this team is a true freshman. His father played in the NFL. That's where you hear the name Patrick Sertain. Yeah, that's this kid. So this team is just stupid, uh, and I can't wait to watch it. Well, I'd say the biggest college football story of this week, non on the field, non one of these games that are about to take place this weekend, has been USC. Uh, I, I got to start with one thing. This, this kind of bothers me. I'm, I, I'm what you call, I wouldn't say a Pac-12 homer because I'm a realist, but I'm a huge Pac-12 fan. Like, it's my favorite conference because it's where I grew up. I, I grew up watching all these teams. Like, I grew up on the West Coast. I grew up going to Cal football games. It, like, the, the, the programs mean something to me. And as someone that did not go to a big school, I went to Cal Poly, Division 1 AA, We've produced a couple guys over the years, Chris Gokong, Ramsey's Barton. We have our fair share of NFL guys, but by no means was it. It wasn't a a Pac-12, Pac-10 school. You know, I mean, it's just a different level. So I live vicariously through them. And I always kind of stuck up for Pete Carroll and those teams. Not that they needed it, but I'm just saying, like, how dominant they were and Tedford's teams and just the Oregon teams. Like, I took pride on our good West Coast teams. Well, I know this year, certain people in the media, you know, always say the SEC gets the benefit of the doubt. And listen, having worked in the NFL, they get the benefit of the doubt for the reason. They have the most talent. It ain't even close. Well, you can complain and bitch and moan all you want about the amount of teams in the, you know, top 25. I think the SEC has eight. And obviously they have, you know, LSU's a three-loss team in the top 10. That doesn't bother me. Like, LSU on a neutral field would throttle, like to me, would throttle Michigan, would throttle Washington, would throttle uh, Texas. It'd kill them. So it it doesn't bother me. Now, I don't even think the Pac-12 is, like this year, I got news for everyone. The Pac-12 is closer to the Mountain West than it is like the Big 12 or the Big 10. So when you hear, all the Big 10 and the Big 12 and the Pac-12 are getting the same respect as the SEC... Well, this year, that conversation cannot be had, including the Pac-12. They do not deserve it. Like, they are not in that category. And that pains me to say, I love the West Coast. It's where I was born. It's where I've lived the majority of my life. And it's where I'll be buried. And more than likely, where I'm going to raise my children. You can never say never, because, you know, life changes. The world's flat. You know, who knows? I might be living in, like, China in 10 years. Uh, but m- the point is like, I- I'd be the first guy if a team is deserving to stand up for them and they're not like when I got to the NFL, everyone laughed like, Oh, Boise state. What's up with this Boise state? Actually, you know, the only guy that didn't, I remember one time dropping something off at his office and he's like middle What's up with uh, Boise state? Like, do they have something special in their, in their water? And it was Sean McDermott. And this was actually back in 2010 when Chris Peterson had a team with like 17 NFL guys. And I said that team could compete. You know, that, that team deserved to go to a BCS game. And that was the year that Kaepernick and they ended up missing a field goal. But that, that team was legit. I promise you. I, I worked at Fresno State for two years. I had a front row seat watching that program when those guys were young. Uh, I missed them when they were juniors and seniors. The Kellen Moore, Titus Young, Pettis. They had a ton of defensive guys. George Ioka. They, they were unreal. I mean, they, they were awesome. Now, are they like this Bama or LSU level? No. But that team, that version of that team was really good. But my point is the Pac-12 does not deserve to be in the conversation. And one of the main issues is the Pac-12's main program, like the Big 12, they're good when Oklahoma's kicking ass. The, the Big 10 is good when, when Ohio State or Michigan's kicking ass. The SEC is good when, like, obviously Alabama, LSU, or Florida's kicking ass. The Pac-12 is good when SC is kicking ass. And right now, they, they were a joke. It's one thing to have a down year. Like to me, a down year at a school like SC, at a school like Bama, at a school like Ohio State, at a school like LSU is eight and four. That's just an awful year, eight and four. Well, if you get sanctions or some crazy things happen, a coach leaves, I can give you, you know, it's a, a, hell, even seven and five. But under no circumstances, I repeat, zero. Can a school like SC, Oklahoma, Alabama, LSU, with no sanctions, like you have the full amount of scholarships, it be okay to go five and seven. It for two reasons. One, you just have way too much talent on your roster to ever go five and seven. There is zero excuses for it. And two, because the other schools in your conference are depending on you to carry the flag. You make money for them. Do you know how much money the SEC has made? over Alabama's run do you know how much money the Big Ten has made with Ohio State kicking everyone's ass for the last 15 years the TV contracts they've negotiated I mean there's a reason you see them on FS1 and Fox like they're a big brand like Michigan Harbaugh Michigan having Harbaugh and them being a 10 and 2 team like it was devastating them losing to Ohio State they're 10 and 2 you know I mean SC fans would die to be 10 they went five and seven Well, Clay Helton, and I don't necessarily think it was his choice. I think it was kind of mandated. They just hired Cliff Kingsbury. I got news for you. Like, if there is, if USC's offense is good next year, and JT Daniels excels, or whoever the quarterback is, has a lot of success, Cliff Kingsbury will be the next head coach at USC. One thing, just look at him. I mean, he's just, uh, listen, I I can call a spade a spade. He's a really good-looking dude. You know, there is no disputing that. He looks the part. Two, he's an elite offensive coach. Look at all the quarterbacks he's recruited. Look at the offensive numbers the Texas Tech had, had uh, you know, put up. Here's the other thing. At a school like USC, I got friends in college football, at big schools, small schools. The difference of the polo shirt you have on, I always hear this, like, the dude's a really good recruiter. Like, yeah, if you're landing dudes and you're at Oregon State or Iowa State, you know, or just random schools, like, yeah, Kentucky, like, okay, you're a good recruiter. Like, if you land NFL guys at USC, you're not a good recruiter. You're just a coach at USC. You just throw on the polo, you walk into the high school, and you have the USC polo on. You have the Alabama polo on. You know, you have, like, you work for Coach K, you roll in with the Duke polo on, you're getting a meeting with the best basketball player. You know, you walk into the best high school and, and you have Oklahoma on your polo, you got a chance to land the number one recruit at that high school. That's the way the world works, you know? So I I, I think that Cliff Kingsbury, if the offense is good, is going to be the next head coach. Like, I, I think it's the writing's already on the wall. Clay Helton will be out next year, and Cliff Kingsbury will be the next head coach at USC. And I know this. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but for the Pac-12, they need USC desperately to be good. Because right now, them not being good hurts the relevancy of the conference and also really, really hurts their pocketbooks. Okay, let's get to the Middlecoff mailbag. Uh, Got a lot of questions, so let's just start banging them out. Hey man, love the podcast. Why does no one ever give Mike Tomlin his due as a top head coach in the league? Every time the Steelers lose, it's always on Tomlin. But whenever they win, he doesn't get any credit. He might not be the sexiest X's nose guy, but there is something to be said on how he manages all the personalities in the locker room. And kept together, Le'Veon Bell. Good point. Uh, I, I think it's simple. Whenever you're a coach who doesn't call either side of the ball, and most defensive coaches have a defensive coordinator, and then like Tomlin, they don't call the offense. And I got news for you, they don't know anything about the offense. You, you just it's hard to get credit. And I think Ben is such a big personality uh, that he kind of steals some of it away from Tomlin. But I'm with you. I mean, I, I think he's clearly a top five head coach in the league. His resume speaks for itself. His teams are always ready. He has bad losses, but so does any team. I don't think Ben is the easiest, you know, quarterback to deal with on, on a daily slash weekly basis. And I, I think you bring up a great point in terms of Le'Veon Bell. He, he kept the team together. Antonio's not the easiest guy to deal with. They got, they got a lot of personalities on the team. Now, the thing that he doesn't ever have to deal with uh, because of the consistency in the organization, just the stability at the top, is there aren't ever rumors. You know, there is no like, what's the, let's take a look at the hot seat. Like, there is no hot seat. They've had three coaches in like 875 years. I I mean, seriously, I think they've had three coaches, you know, in the last, I don't know what the exact number is. It's got to be like right around 50. That's, that's crazy. The Browns have had 3 coaches and like you know they'll have 3 coaches by February. Hugh Jackson, uh Greg Williams, and then whoever they end up hiring. So it's just it's just a completely different world he lives in from most Jed York had a stretch where he went Jim Harbaugh, Jim Tomsula, Chip Kelly, uh, uh Kyle Shanahan. I I swear to god it was like 40 months, you know. 40 months, I mean, it's Mike Tomlin doesn't even can't even relate to that. So, it, a, a lot just because when people know you're not going anywhere, uh, the standard in that organization is playoff wins. It's not like winning the division, it's not just some cool regular season wins. Like, that's the standard, the expectation, and what people expect your fans, your owner, even though you're not going to get fired, is to like win playoff games. But I, I remember a couple years ago, boom, go on the road. You know, the, the first first round they got Miami and Tannehill had been knocked out. They kicked the crap out of them. But then they went on the road to, I remember Jeremy Macklin and Alex Smith saying it was the best Kansas City Chief team they had been on. That was obviously before this year. And they won. I mean, that was, he went on the road to Kansas City in a tough environment and won. That's, that's, that's a heck of a playoff win. And a playoff win like that to me, carries you for a couple years. Now, last year was bad. But in fairness to Tomlin, that Jacksonville Jaguar team gave the Patriots everything they could handle. Uh, you know, I mean, they lost 45-42. to 42. Their defense isn't atrocious. I, th- I think here's the other reason people get mad. It's like when the defense sucks or when the offense is off, it's like Tomlin kind of takes the heat, but you know he's not doing it. You know, it's just he's kind of in control, but he's like... He's not actually calling any of the plays. He's got a good gig, you know. I wouldn't give it up, and he's just got to be the coolest looking coach in NFL history. John, I'm a huge Broncos fan from Philly, but my question is: How long do you think Vance Joseph will last past the season? And do you think if uh, he has a good season that he will be there after 2019, 2020? Well, that win against the Steelers was pretty big. They are—they're not dead. You know, just to me, it depends how they finish the season. If they get to eight and eight, nine and seven, with Case Keenum, he's clearly not losing his job. Uh, The team is playing really hard. It's responding to him. It's actually kind of helped. This year has been a big year for Elway because a lot of people were just taking a gigantic dump on John Elway. And I, I said this on Twitter like a week ago. You know, listen. most people, most GMs, unless you're just a bad GM, if you're drafting in the top five, that means you draft in the top five every round. Well, it's much easier to do that than it is if you have a winning team. You know, it's hard to draft players in the late 20s. That's why Bill Polian's in the Hall of Fame. He was the general manager of playoff teams, and he still drafted a ton of good players. Like, it's hard. It's not just the first round, like, drafting in the 20s. That means you're drafting in the 20s in every round. Like, how does Belichick throw together a team? Everyone's like, oh, he's not a good drafter. Well, yeah, he's been winning 12 games a year and playing in the AFC Championship every year for my entire adult life. <laughs> I mean, his earliest draft pick is like 28. Most times he's drafting 31 or 32. Well, that doesn't just mean the first round. That means in the fourth round, he has the last pick in the fourth round or the second to last pick in the fourth round. That makes it hard. Well, what happened to John Elway this year? He had a top five pick. What did he do? Crushed the draft. <laughs> you know, I, I think John Elway's good now. He hasn't found a quarterback, and he hasn't found a coach. Well, the coach is actually kind of riding the ship a little bit. The quarterback, Case Keenum's a Band-Aid. He's going to have to find a franchise quarterback. But Chubb's good. Vaughn Miller's still kicking ass. Their defense is playing fantastic. Emmanuel Sanders is still playing well. They got some value for Demarius Thomas. Phillip Lindsey, you know, I don't know, one of the stories of the league, you know, just in terms of good stories of the league, undrafted free agent uh, in his hometown, I think the first undrafted free agent, I, I might be butchering this stat, but to run for a thousand yards. I think they said that on the broadcast on, on Sunday. He's just a cool story. He runs that he's just good. I mean, it's just you watch him, you go, God, how did this guy land as an undrafted free agent? He's got fantastic feet. Uh, he's just an explosive runner, he's got good vision, he's tough. He's just good. I mean, he's just a good player. And it's just that's the great part about the NFL. Like, you can come from nowhere, and all of a sudden, it's like, God, that guy's an undrafted free agent. He's playing in the, uh, he's a starter. Uh, mailbag. John, why in the world would Les Miles go to a laughingstock program to coach? I don't know a lot about NFL coaching contracts, but what prevents Jerry from going and hiring Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, or Matt Nagy? Well, Les Miles, I really don't know. I It just, it baffled my mind that he took that job. Uh, the Kansas job's awful. I, I think it's one of probably a top five bad, you know, top f- lowest. I don't even know. I, I can't even summarize this. Of all the Power Five conferences, it's got to be a bottom five job of all the Power Five conferences. It's that. I mean, it's it's terrible. I mean, it's god awful. Now, my response would probably be money. Uh, I bet it's cut, he got paid. But maybe he likes a challenge. I, I don't know. I, I think it's pretty crazy. And the thing about it, those guys are under contract. So they're just competition laws. You just can't steal a guy. Now, you can work out something, but that team has the right to that individual. It's no different than a company. Like, if I have you under contract, I have the rights to you. Now, if I want to let you go, I can, you know, figure out compensation with with another company. via Like, if Jerry wanted Sean McVay and the Rams were open to letting him go, even though they never would be, you could figure something out. But, yeah, it's just... That's why I remember when Belichick quit on the Jets, he couldn't just go to the, uh, to the Patriots. They had to ultimately trade him, uh, just, just like any job. Uh, John, Jim Harbaugh and Nick Saban comparisons are dead. Agreed. I think Harbaugh to Charlie Strong is a more appropriate comparison. That, that seems harsh. Highest level of success came with a future Pro Bowl quarterback on the roster and both have failed uh, occasion on premier jobs. Who is the most appropriate coaching comparison to Harbaugh? Uh, I'd have to think about that one. Listen, I, I think Jim Harbaugh is pretty good. Uh, he, he won at Stanford. He had two winning seasons there. One 8-3 and, and the other 11-1 uh, and one went to a BCS game. He won for three straight years with the San Francisco 49ers. Before he got there, the San Francisco 49ers were consistently terrible. And since John Jim Harbaugh has left, they've been consistently terrible. And Michigan, let's not forget, like they had a... That loss was devastating. I, I you can't sugarcoat that. But they did go ten and two. You know they they got to figure out the quarterback situation. Shea Patterson looked like should have been a Cal Poly, not Michigan in that game. But I I, I was they still had a you know a good year, a great year. No, you can't give up ninety five points to to Ohio State. But his fair comparison. Uh, let me think of an NFL guy. That's a tough one. He's kind of old school, you know? I mean, he's just, he's much more, you know, he's like the Bo Schembechler. He's just a tough, because he's not a scheme guy. He's more of a culture guy, but he's never won a championship. But, but again, he resurrected an academic-only school that never won in football in Stanford. People are like, well, they've produced NFL guys. People do realize, like, John Elway senior year, they went like five and six. You know, I mean, Stanford never won until he showed up. Consistently won. And they haven't stopped winning since he set the tone. And Michigan was in shambles when he showed up. And now they are, I wouldn't say, an elite program. They're not Alabama, LSU, Oklahoma. But they're a power program again. They're the second best program in, what, the second most important conference in the country? That's still a pretty big deal. Now, the gap between him and the first best team in his conference is, is as big as the Grand Canyon, which is a problem. But I, I I Jim Harbaugh's a good coach, but he's gotta find a way to get a better quarterback. Because the only way you're gonna beat Ohio State is with a dynamic quarterback. And Shea Patterson can beat Penn State, he can beat Wisconsin, you know, he can beat Rutgers, but he ain't he ain't Dwayne Haskins, you know, he ain't winning that game. He he just like are you gonna roll that back next year? Because if you roll out Shea Patterson again against Ohio State uh it's the same thing's gonna happen. Well, let's get one more. John, is there a scenario in which the Rams and the Saints do not play each other in the NFC Championship? This is a good this is a pretty relevant question as the game we saw tonight. Which team teams is most likely to stand in the way of the matchup? So let's just go over the seeding right now. Let's just assume the Rams get the number one overall seed. Let's give the Saints the benefit of doubt as the number two overall seed. We'll go Bears three. Cowboys 4, let's go Seahawks and Panthers. So in the first round, you'd get Bears-Panthers, Dallas-Seattle. Let's give both home teams the benefit of the doubt. Dallas handles business, Chicago handles business. Well, if Dallas is the 4, they would play the 1, the Rams, and the Bears would play the Saints. I would say that the Bears, it would be very difficult for Mitch Trubisky to go on the road and beat New Orleans. So I would say New Orleans would have a much better case or chance to be in the NFC Championship game. To me, the Rams are beatable. Like, I I just can't chalk up Sean McVay and Jared Goff as a lock win, you know, in, in a big-time playoff game. Now, that that place will be rocking. They'll be coming off a bye. If somehow they have the number one seed wrapped up last year, he didn't have anything to play for, and he rested everyone, Sean McVay rested everyone in the preseason, and it clearly hasn't mattered. But that's a long time to take off. If they take off Week 17, then they take off the bye week, and then you come back, let's say, you know, week or that second, the second playoff round, which is his first playoff round, and Dallas has won 8 of 9, and they're the hottest team in football, they could easily go in there and beat them. Like, look at Dallas. I, to me, Dallas or Chicago— if either one of those teams goes into LA, like I, I think it's going to be really hard to go to New no one's beating New Orleans at New Orleans. Like I just don't think that's happening. That's just it's a different animal there. But I do think that Dallas or Chicago, Mitch would have to be healthy and just that version of Dallas could go on the road to LA, which I mean, there's a lot of people there because it's the Coliseum and it's big, but that, it ain't exactly uh, you know Death Valley and Baton Rouge at night. So let's, the Monday night game was cool, but let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit. There is some crazy home field advantage that I do think either one of those teams would have more than a puncher's chance to go on the road. Cause they both play defense. They both can rush the passer. Chicago and, uh, in Dallas have elite front sevens for the modern day game. They can rush the passer. They have big time speed at linebacker. Their play speed is excellent. They can stop the run, but they're playing teams that don't run the ball that much anyway. Roquan Smith and the Vanderes and the Jalens are as equipped as anyone to just semi-shadow Todd Gurley. So I, I think if it was, if we don't see those two matched up, I think the likelihood is that the Rams get bounced than if the Saints, because think of how crazy it would be if the Saints went 13-3 and and they had the two seed and they lost a game. Uh, you know in New Orleans I, I I have a really really hard time seeing that. I mean that place I it's just too special you know that, that'd be like Seattle in their prime losing a home playoff game it's just it's just hard to see it doesn't mean you can't have a tight game. remember you know the Harbaugh 49ers gave Seattle all they could handle but they won for a reason you just you just not win in there. appreciate everyone listening enjoy the games a much better college weekend than it is a pro weekend. But God, that that Dallas game, that that was fun. It's been a it's been a fun night, fun podcast. Been a fun week of podcast. See you next week Monday night after uh, Eagles Redskins. Enjoy the weekend. Stay safe. Happy holidays. With unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com active cash. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
0: This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease,